Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. All right, good morning. I'm just going to get myself set up here. I'm going to take a chance on technology this morning, so we'll see how we go. See how long it lasts before I bail out onto the paper system again, but that's all right. So it's really lovely to see you. I think a lot of you I know, I'm a resident of Northridge, have been around for many, many years, but I mostly go to the evening service, so most of you don't see me very often, and um, it's really good to actually catch up with a few people this morning. So I am actually talking on deliverance this morning, which is a bit of an interesting topic to get given. Is that my microphone doing funny things? Yeah? Okay, that's all right. But I thought it would be really good to start with a verse that God just gave me. And it's out of Galatians 5. It says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And I think that sums up deliverance in a nutshell. It's actually all about freedom. It's all about throwing off the bonds that we have brought with us from our past lives. And it's also about the things that sometimes we still get entangled in that Christ has brought freedom for us and he wants to help us to walk in that. But sometimes we don't always know the keys of how to do that. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So deliverance is a very interesting subject. There's a lot of very polarised views on what deliverance might mean. So I want to dispel some myths because I know there have been deliverance ministries around since probably the 60s and 70s when Derek Prince first started doing this and I think we've probably come along since then. So what you might think you know about it might be a little bit different to what we actually are doing now. So I want to talk about all of those things. So Rob and Bonnie have done a little dance for us to kind of kick things off. And Phil spoke last week on healing, which is great because he's covered some material that normally we would bundle into deliverance. So healing is very, very much a part of deliverance. And so Phil's talked about that, so that's great. So the first thing I really want to say about deliverance is deliverance is actually God's mercy for us. And I think if you don't see it that way... You may avoid it, and when you avoid it, you miss out on something really important and really special in your life. So sometimes people choose not to access deliverance because they don't really know what it's about, or they're quite afraid of what it might mean for them. And so I want to tell you what I actually think it is. I want to tell you what the Bible says it is, both on the same page when we're talking about this. So, I want to start with what the word sozo means. So, sozo turns up over 100 times in the New Testament, and it's a Greek word, and it means saved, healed, and delivered. So, it's all those three things. So, that is a part of the package. That is what has been won for you on the cross. So, wherever that word sozo turns up, it's talking about the person was healed, the person was Um, finding salvation, 
or it talks about the person was delivered from a demon, i.e. the apostles or Jesus casted together out of that person. So it means all those three things. It's all bundled in together. So the old-fashioned word for casting out a demon is exorcism. So if you were a person who cast out demons, you were an exorcist. So the definition was someone who forces an evil... ..haven't you to leave a person or place by using prayers or magic? So we haven't used any magic. We don't go there. We just go for the prayers. But if you want to go the everyday, it's the action of being rescued um, or set free. Okay? So it's all about this concept of setting you free from the bondages that are in your life. So I would like to sort of say that this is often a process, okay? There are choices that we make when we get saved that we choose to submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then as our lives move on, we discover more and more areas that maybe aren't under his Lordship. And so for Christians, particularly new Christians, Deliverance can be a part of their process of actually fully knowing Christ or fully coming under his headship. And that actually needs the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about deliverance, this is not something that a human being can affect for you. It's actually not something that I do. It's not something that Matt does. It's something that the Holy Spirit does and we just get to facilitate. So we come along for the ride and we get to minister for people on set free. But what we're actually trying to do is partner with what the Holy Spirit's doing. So that's a very, very, very big part of it is understanding where the Holy Spirit's going with people and not pushing into places where the Holy Spirit's not actually going. So I just have this confidence that when we minister to people... Holy Spirit knows what needs to be done. And so they're the places we go. And there may be other areas in people's lives that, you know, they still need to bring some things under his lordship, but it's not time to work there yet. And so we don't go there yet. So in the New Testament, through the New you see lots and lots of desperate people. So all the stories through the New Testament, through the Gospels, you see desperate people coming to Jesus coming to the disciples because they know where the power is. And so you'll see them following round. You'll see them tearing roofs open, pushing their way through crowds, climbing up trees. You'll see unclean people, ceremonially unclean people, push their way through a crowd to get to him at the risk of stoning. Okay, these guys are desperate. They're pretty serious about what they want because they believe that what Jesus has will actually set them free. They know that there is power in his name. And so they go after that. They go after it with a a real commitment and a passion. But I think for us sometimes, we have all this available to us. We don't actually have to risk being stoned. But (laughs) some of us still sit on the sidelines anyway because there's fear and there's doubt about what this might mean for you. And so you might be not jumping in, boots and all, because you're not really sure what that might look like for you.
then go next slide. So I know people are very complicated. I've met some very complicated people in my time when I've been praying. I know that I'm complicated and we don't have all the answers. But Holy Spirit always knows where to start. So sometimes we have this life that looks like this ball of wool that's got a bit tangled up. So I don't know whether you're much of a knitter or have ever dealt with a ball of wool that's been tangled up, but that is sometimes what it looks like when we start to bring our lives to God and say, can you start working in here? There's a mess here, and I know that this wool is actually meant to look like something at the end, but I'm flat out getting it to actually look like not even a pool to start with. So forget trying to knit a jumper with it. It's, it's just not even a place I know where to start. And so the thing I love is that it doesn't matter how messy things are. Holy Spirit always knows where to find the end of the ball of wool. So that's usually the first thing. So we often have a go trying to fix our problems. You know, self-help is very, very popular at the moment. You can get it anywhere. There's thousands of books, blogs, Facebook pages. There's plenty of advice out there. But maybe what ails you is not going to work if you try and fix it through some of these self-help methods. For some of these things, the only answer is Jesus. For some of these things, we do need help of counsellors and things like that as well. But at the end of the day, Jesus needs to do miracles for us to sort some of these things out. So some of these knots and tangles that we get in our lives that we try and fix and we tighten and pull them and can't get them undone, they manifest as things like depression, anxiety, insecurities, addictions, and behaviours that generally grieve the heart of God. So some of these entanglements can come from our past lives. So if you've had uh, like a past life where you were living, I don't mean a past life as in reincarnation, <laughs> I mean before you came to Christ, um, where you were involved in the New Age or where you were involved in the cult or where you had different belief systems, you may still be entangled with those things but not realise that you're kind of dragging these old grave clothes into your new life. So poor old Lazarus, when he was raised from the dead, he came out of the tomb, but people actually had to take the grave clothes off because he was having trouble walking. And sometimes that's what we're like when we're saved. We've still got these things hanging on to us. So the good news is God's provided everything that you need to access them into was one on the cross, but we need to bring some of these things to him and bring them into submission to him. So I know the devil likes you to believe that Christ is actually not enough for some of the issues in your life and he's not enough for you to live a godly life. He likes to keep you feeling powerless and he likes to set up barriers for you actually receiving deliverance. So there's lots of fears that come in, fears about what other people think. Good grief, what are they going to think about me if I go and get prayer for this? What are they going to think about me if they cast out a demon and what's that going to look like? That could get scary and embarrassing. So there's lots of stuff around that. What about if this isn't even real? What if these guys are actually just fruit loops that are doing this stuff? 
you know, because sometimes it kind of messes with your head and you go, is that actually real? You know, it's the demonica thing because I can't see it, I can't see it doing anything. So there's lots and lots of stuff there that you can kind of go, uh, maybe this is not for me, even though I've got all this stuff and I know it's there. I'm not sure that I can actually go there because it's, it's a bit scary and a bit kind of, I'm not sure what happens there. So I want to demystify it because I think it's really important that people actually understand what it's all about. So when we pray, we basically pray expecting the Holy Spirit to work. So we have tools, but at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that drives the process. So like Rob and Bonnie, we're in that dance. And to be honest, this is one of the most fun things, most beautiful things about doing prayer ministry for people is you're in that dance with the Holy Spirit and so move with you're just in a very connected state and you're watching the Holy Spirit actually move with that person and so that is actually an amazing thing and I know for some people it's a work in progress so this idea that we just go we have prayer and it's all fixed in one go that's a bit of Maybe that happens in 5-10% of the cases. For a lot of people, we process over time. So God does a bit in our lives, and then he says, go away and think about that. Process that. Start incorporating those changes back into your life. Because if he did everything at once, there is no way that you would actually be able to live that out. And it would be very frustrating So God's very kind, he's very merciful and he usually just does a little bit at a time and we kind of go, oh, I'm not all completely sorted here and he's like, that's fine and he gives us a peace to walk that out. So for some of us it will be a process and it will be multiple times that we come to people in prayer and get ministry around different issues. And there's no shame in that. That's just part of the process for most of us. Okay, so the other thing I want to reassure you about is that deliverance does not look like the movies in 99.9% of cases. Okay, I, I haven't watched a lot of those movies. I know there's a few of them around. There's probably been like five versions of The Exorcist, I think. Um, I was told good Christians didn't watch films like that, so I haven't really watched them. And I think when you do, all it does is bring in a lot of fear. So I don't, can't tell you all the gory details of those movies, but I know there's things portrayed in there that have left people very afraid. Now, I won't say that what happens in those movies never, ever happens. I will say maybe that happens in cases where there's been a really heavy involvement. But if you don't have that kind of background, then I wouldn't be expecting a prayer session and maybe deliverance to look like that for you. In fact, for most people, it's a very gentle experience. For most people, they come away with a sense that God really cares, God really loves them, and it's actually a time that they treasure. So instead of this being this weird, scary thing, 
it's actually part of people's lives that they go away afterwards and go, I, I'm going to remember the things that God did for me there. I'm going to remember some of the truths that he spoke into my heart there. And people often come back to us months later and say, you know what happened in that session? That changed everything for me. And I'm now walking that out. And so maybe in a year's time they'll come back and say, you know what? I've processed all of that, but God's putting his finger on something else now. Can I come back and can we do some more? So rarely do we have someone come on set free, which is the ministry that we run for a whole weekend. Rarely do we have someone come on that ministry and say, oh my gosh, that was terrible and I'm never coming back. Okay? Most people are asking, can I come back again if I need to? Because they know that when we do this ministry, what it means is that they meet God and that they develop a closer relationship with God. So what we're doing as prayer ministers when we're doing prayer deliverance is we're facilitating the person we're praying for to do some legal transactions. Okay? Might sound a little bit weird, hey, if you don't actually know what that means. So let me explain that to you. So if you pop onto the next slide. So what it is that we're doing is actually all about legal ground. So if you go to Ephesians 4, in verses 17 to 32, it if you really want to, you can read it all, or I'll give you the short story. Okay? It says, don't do this stuff, it's really bad. And it gives you a long list. And then it says, don't give the devil a foothold. And then it goes on to do some more listing of don't do this stuff, it's really bad. Okay? So that, that's my synopsis of the last half of Ephesians 4. So that word, foothold, don't give the devil a foothold. In the Greek, that word means topos. So that's where we get topography from. So what it's actually saying to you is don't give the devil a piece of real estate in your life where he can operate from to harass you and afflict you. And it's saying... All this stuff, that stuff on the don't do this list in there, is the stuff that you're seeing on the overhead. It's saying don't do this stuff because it's opening a door to the enemy in your life. So when we get involved in these sorts of things, it actually opens a door and it gives the enemy a legal right. So we know we come to Christ, we belong to Christ, but then we can actually do things that invites the enemy back in to the places in our life that we actually handed over to Christ. And unless we bring those things back into submission to him through transacting some prayers, which I'll talk about in a minute, we leave that door open. And then that can become a point where we start finding we struggle. So there's things like sinful behaviours and attitudes listed in there, Issues around unforgiveness, issues around rebellion against God. So when we talk about rebellion against God, that is an interesting category. So if you go into the Old Testament, it will say that witchcraft is as the sin of rebellion and also idolatry. So anything to do with making something an idol in your life. So making money actually be worshipping a pagan idol but it could also be making money an idol or a 
red car an idol or having a big house an idol. It's anything that you would put before God. And so when something else owns our heart, that will also open a door. And that goes on to talk about harbouring negative emotions. And there might even be a bit in there where it says, be angry but don't sin. So it's not saying that you can't ever be angry because sometimes it's appropriate to experience anger. It's about harbouring that stuff. It's about cooking it, simmering it and letting it actually dictate your actions. There's bits in there about believing lies. So believing lies about ourselves or believing lies about God. So we might actually have some misconceptions about how God sees us. And if we don't actually believe the truth about how God sees us, it's going to damage our relationship with him and put a blockage in there. So it's really important that we also deal with the lies in our life. So that lot, they're kind of stuff that we do. So we open the door and you can kind of see there's consequences to our actions. The last two, they're not really fair because they're not our fault. So trauma can also open a door. So when you go through a traumatic experience like abuse or chronic neglect or an accident of any sort or a major illness, it can leave a door open in your life, not because you've done anything, but because something's happened in your life and your enemy will actually take an opportunity to use that to bring fear. So that's not helpful and we need to deal with that. And the last one on the list actually has to do with our ancestors' behaviour. So in Deuteronomy, there is a precedent set, and it's particularly around idolatry, and it says basically that the sin of idolatry bears consequences down to the third and the fourth generation. Um, I know you might want to argue, well, it's all stopped at the cross and it's all done, but I've prayed for people long enough, I can tell you that when we pray these prayers and cut off the influence as particularly around witchcraft, occult and um, like pagan religions that have been in the generations, it makes a huge difference to the person going forward. So we do know that that principle that's set out in, in Deuteronomy is still a thing. And so we can deal with it very easily it's, it's really very simple, but it's there. It is a thing that can actually hinder us and hinder our relationship with Holy Spirit. So basically, we need to keep dealing with our stuff on an ongoing basis because I think most of us, we just let some of this stuff back in from time to time and we need to just bring that back to God. So again, it's about bringing our lives back into submission to his lordship. So there is a story about a Syrophoenician woman and she came to Jesus and she had a daughter who was afflicted by a demon and she said to Jesus, please, 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 would you cast the demon out of my daughter? Now Jesus did a very interesting thing. He surprised me and shocked me. He said to her, basically, deliverance is for the children of God. And at that time, the children of God were the Jews. So this Syrophoenician woman was not actually considered a child of God. But she actually was a bit cheeky. She had an answer for him. She said, you know what? Even the puppy dogs under the table get the bread 
that drops all the breadcrumbs. And on that basis, Jesus healed her daughter. And what I found out of that is that there's a little saying that kind of gets bandied about, and it's delivering bread, children's bread. And if you put that in a Jewish context, bread happened at every meal. So their staple was bread, wine, and oil. And that was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I don't know how you feel about bread, wine, and oil for brekkie. Might be an interesting meal, good way to start the day. But what I'm saying is, this is a staple. Bread was a staple, and deliverance should be a staple. It's our sustenance, and it's the way that we connect into Father's heart. So it's actually your birthright. And I think when you understand it as that, and you understand how it works, and it's not actually weird and scary, but God's merciful provision for you, it's a lot easier to go, oh, maybe I need to deal with some of those things. So I think today is an opportunity to hear what God's saying to you about the places where you feel a little bit stuck and how you can respond to him when he opens those doors to get prayer for healing or deliverance. So he has a knack at unravelling those messy knots and bits of wool that are meant to be your life. So when you're meant to have a jumper and you feel like there's an arm missing and you've got this mess on the floor that's meant to be a ball of wool, he's really great at getting that wool back into the, the fashion that's meant to be in a ball of wool so that he can actually start working to put those things back in place. And so it truly is like that. Deliverance clears the space that God can then work in. And so often the healing that we see after deliverance is the work that God does day by day by day as he actually knits that piece of the jumper and attaches it back into the body of the garment so that we are actually feeling whole. So what I want to do now is just run through the tools that we use it's just all really basic. My goodness, this is stuff that's just all through the New Testament. This is the regular stuff we talk about every day. So the first one is confession. So in 1 John, it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So that's that tool of confession. We know we just have to come and say, hey, Father, I've been involved in this. I've realised it's not good. I'm sorry. And forgiveness is already there. With confession goes repentance. So what repentance actually means is that we start to agree with God. So we go, actually, God, you're right about this thing. And I'm choosing now to turn away from it, to avoid situations that are going to put me in temptation to go back in there again, and I'm going to take responsibility for my actions on this. And when we do that, we're in a place of now receiving his forgiveness. So forgiveness is another part of the tool, and forgiveness is very much a two-way street. So we need to receive forgiveness for ourselves. Often we need to forgive ourselves as well for what we've been involved in. And then we need to forgive other people so this is very much goes both ways. So there are things in there where it says 
I'm going to forgive in the measure that you forgive. If you don't forgive, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. So sometimes we think we can bear grudges and that's okay, but that is not what the Word of God says. So if you read around Matthew 6, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, it makes it very clear that forgiveness is important. There's also sections in the Bible that talk about in the measure that you judge, you will be judged. So if you feel like you have the right to judge other people, that's not going to go well for you. So we're acquiring all those tools and we're using them. So that is to transit bones of what we do. We lead people through those prayers and help them to transact that with God because really that's between you and God. And then we go on and we look at some of the lies people agree agree with because often they agree with stuff they might say stuff like I'm stupid I can't get anything right and it turns into a bit of self-talk and they actually start speaking it over themselves and I think we all do this a little bit it's very tempting you get a frustrating moment you go ah I'm so stupid and you've just spoken something over yourself which doesn't actually line up with how God sees you And so sometimes we need to go through and just break those agreements and annul those agreements because they become something that the devil uses to actually harass us because we've given him permission now to make us feel stupid on the regular. Um, Now, when we get through all of this, we speak truth back in those places. We invite the Holy Spirit back in those places. And then there's this thing, once the legal ground has actually been cleaned up, the demonic is not so keen to hang around. So they're kind of like rats. They like the garbage. They really like the garbage. So if you can provide them with a nice kind of nurturing environment where there's lots of kind of bitterness and garbage and all sorts of stuff in your life, The rats are very, very happy to stay and it's very hard to boot them out. But once you actually clear all that away and there's no little hidey holes left, they're kind of like, actually, I don't want to be here anymore. I'd rather find somewhere that's a little more comfy and cosy. And so they tend to go anyway. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will give us a nudge and say, and tell that thing to go. And literally... It's often that simple. We just say, and you, you go. Jesus got a place for you, off you go. And it's not a big deal. In fact, sometimes spectacular, like, uh, was that it? (laughs) You know, it's meant to be more spectacular than this. Now, sometimes it is a little bit more, but a lot of the times it's not. Once the garbage is gone, they're not interested in staying. You're not a fun place to be. And so I guess I like to be not a fun place to be for the most part. Now, the end of this is um, the standing firm bit. So I said you're going to have to walk this out. So Ephesians 6 gives us sort of the template to do that. So it talks about the helmet of salvation. So that relates to having the mind of Christ and keeping our thinking in line with him. There's the breastplate of righteousness, which relates to us understanding that we stand in Jesus' righteousness. It's not our own. So we can be confident in that. The belt of truth. We have to deal with all the lies in our life and just keep speaking truth over ourselves. 
And then we have the shoes of peace, which I think is really important in this process, is that this is something that you do with a sense of peace, not fear. We don't walk this out in fear. We walk this out in confidence, knowing that Jesus has our back and that he is for us and not against us and that he loves us and cares for us. And so that's kind of going into that faith thing with the shield. We have that shield of knowing he is our protection, he is our security, and um, we don't have to fear our enemy. And then finally we have the sword of the spirit, which is your Bible. So when you need to challenge some lies, that's the first place that you need to go. All right, so I'm going to run out of time if I don't wind up. So I would like to say that your worldview is going to be really important. If you don't believe that the spiritual world is real, then if it's hard for you to accept that it's real because you haven't seen it, then deliverance might seem to be something that doesn't make sense to you. I assure you the first time you start to see the Holy Spirit move or you see a demon manifest, it will shatter your worldview if that's where you're stuck. Because once you have something kind of wriggle down your arm, it's like, oh. So it's a memorable experience. So I've had it happen to me and it, it kind of rocked my world because there was this thing, I felt it, the people praying for me went, oh, check that out. And it dribbled out my fingers. And I'm like, whoa, it's real. It's absolutely real. And so once you've had that experience, it's kind of very memorable and very educational. And so it's hard to kind of go back to believing that the spirit realm isn't real. Okay. And I think the last thing, very quickly, is that we need to know that we're actually in a battle that. And so there is an enemy. It's really important to understand that. And we have a good Father God. But there is a battle and it's over your hearts. The enemy wants to have your heart. And if he can tell you lies about your Father, if he can get you to mistrust your Father, then that will start to send you down a path where you will find it really hard to trust him and to come to him when you need help with the various things that crop up in your life. So I think it's probably time that maybe the musos come up. Yeah, that would be lovely. And I just, I want to open up the time now just for some people to actually come and get ministry if they want to. So... When we do ministry, you can come down the front, you can go over to the cross, you can get someone beside you to pray for you if that's more comfortable. But I just think for some people here, maybe you've realised that there's some areas in your life that aren't actually under the lordship of Jesus and those things are hurting you. They're causing problems. They're causing other people around you problems. And Jesus is actually calling you to trust him with those things and bring them to him and let him start to work in those places. So he's actually asking you to hand them over and give him the space to work and heal in your life. 
I think there's many people here who've been struggling with different things. And I know we, for some of us, we, we struggle with different illnesses. We struggle with issues in relationship. We struggle with all sorts of circumstances, financial issues, and the list goes on. And for some of us, we wait for a long time. And the waiting gets very, very hard. And sometimes the enemy can come in in that time and bring discouragement and hurt. And I felt that for some people here, God just wants to have you bring those pieces of pain, the broken places, and just let him minister into those places as well. So I think... I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit just to, to speak into your heart. There may be other things as well. And I invite you, if you're ready or you want to, to come forward and someone will pray for you. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you for each person here because each one is precious. Father, I thank you that each one is deeply loved by you and your heart breaks where there's pain and where there's struggle and your desire is always to bring healing and wholeness, truth and deliverance. So, Lord, right now, I just ask, would you just touch people deeply? Would you touch their hearts? And, Lord, for the ones who actually need to do business with you today, would you just put on their hearts the thing? So, Father, we just ask that you push aside everything, every confusion, everything of fear, everything of anxiety, Lord, and just put your finger on the one thing, Lord. Yeah. And so, Father, I just, whoa, release courage over the people who need courage, Lord, to actually engage with you in these things.